You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. All right, now let's jump in. Turn in your Bibles, if you got them, to Psalm 145 is where we're going to be. And I want to tell you our first two points about David that we talked about last week are this. God can use anyone. That was point one. That's at the top of your listening guide that you got when you were uh, coming in the door. God can use anyone. God can forgive anyone. Those are the basic things of what we looked at last week. And the next one that I want to give you on the life of David is this. God should be worshiped by everyone. So God can use anyone, God can forgive anyone, and God should be worshiped by everyone. We're going to see this in Psalm 145, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. But here's what I'd love for you to do. Sometime today, before the, the, the morning comes, that you would read Psalm 145, the whole thing out loud, and you will be so encouraged because it talks about worship. We are all made to worship the Lord. Do you know that? that God has created you and created me so that we could worship God. Now, worship is not just singing. Worship is not just the things that we have of, of song. Now, we can get our minds a little bit messed with by this. We are right now in the worship center. The worship team just led us in a worship songs, right? And it's time to worship on Sunday. And we can think, well, that's all the Sunday stuff. Monday, I go back to work. All of your life is worship. Right now, you're worshiping by listening to the Word of God being taught. Right now, I'm worshiping by letting my spiritual gift, let, let it into the Lord's hands to say, God, use me in this time. We worship through giving. We worship through serving. We worship through praying. We worship through living out our life. All of those things are places of worship that we have. Now, Psalm 145, verses 1 through 7, is going to tell us this. Now, here's what we're going to do, 5 o'clock. We're going to read it out loud together, all right? Now, why are we going to read it out loud together? Because I've been a pastor for a while, and I know what happens on hot Sunday afternoons. Y'all come in here, and y'all go... Oh, these seats are so comfortable. Oh, this air conditioning is so nice. Oh, this sermon feels so long. Oh, my goodness, all right? So what we're going to do is we're going to read it out loud, and we're not going to read it like we're ordering something at the Jack in the Box drive-thru, all right? We're going to read it like we're reading the Bible, and we're excited about it, and we're going to worship with it, and we're going to understand something. That's how we're going to read it. You with me at 5 o'clock? You with me? Okay. We're even going to put it on full screen so you don't even need your glasses, all right? So here we go. On the count of three, let's read this together out loud and proud. Here we go. One, two, three. I exalt you, my king. No, wait, let's start all over. <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's try one more time. It was good if we messed up on the first verse, not on like the six, and we got to go all the way back. Okay. Okay, focus. Here we go. One, two, three. I exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. 
they will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. All right, give, our, give ourselves a hand there. We made it through. I made it through. That's good. That we can worship God and declare the greatness of God. Do you know that David wrote 73 out of the 150 Psalms? This Psalm 145 is getting us moving towards the end of the Psalms in Psalm 150. David wrote this one. The end of this Psalm in verse 21, it says, my mouth will declare the Lord's praise. Let every living thing, are you alive? Let every living thing bless his holy name forever. The last verse in all of the Psalms in 150 is verse six of 150. And it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, hallelujah. Do you have breath? If you've got life, if you've got breath, then you are to praise the Lord. We were created for worship. Isn't that incredible? We were created for worship, not just to be musical, but to be worshipful. This morning, I went for a walk to kind of get my blood flowing. I was thinking about this point. I was like, Lord, is this the right point? Is this what you want? Because we already got to print in the listening guide. I hope it is. But Lord, is this the right thing? I was just kind of struggling with it. And then I went on a little walk and I prayed. I got back and I opened up our, our churchwide devotional that we've been doing, Capture the Moment. And I opened up to today's reading, June 12th. And here's what it was. The first sentence. Worship is an essential part of our Christian lives. We worship God in our prayers, in our songs, and in our living. The title was God's Love Brings Worship. And I wrote down at the bottom, just in the, the little footnotes in my, or made my own little footnotes, and just said, amazing. Today is Sunday, my last Sunday message before sabbatical. And I went on about this was perfect timing for me. I didn't plan to share this with you, but it's going to fit perfectly because there's two other times I'm going to tell you something about God's timing out of this book. Our church is going through this. We have actually sold out of it again many, many times. We've sold out of it. So you're going to have to order it online or get it next week or something if you don't have it. Now, here's what's great. I want you to know this as well. I receive absolutely zero author royalties from this. All of the author royalties go to feed people in need. Are you ready, church? We have fed over 30,000 people with this devotional. Isn't that great? 30,000 meals have gone out. And I'm glad to not receive a penny. That's great. That's fine. I'm eating every meal. I want to help other people eat meals. But it was so encouraging to me to just be affirmed that God had a plan. Worship the Lord. Let God take care of you in those things. But let me tell you this. Worship is most important in times of pain and struggle. When you don't feel like it, when you don't want to read your Bible, when you don't want to praise the Lord, when you don't want to live a life of, of walking with God, those are the times that it means the absolute most is when you worship the Lord in those times, those seasons of pain, those seasons of difficulty. Yesterday, I went to a memorial service that you probably heard about on the news. There's a family of five in the Collins family that were killed four young boys and their grandfather murdered by an ex escaped convict. And it touches our church because the four young boys' great-grandfather is a member of our church and one of our greeters on Sunday morning. And also, another relative of those that died are, is a couple that is in our Siena campus. And so I went to the service, was sitting there on the front row, and I looked over to my left, and there's the mom that lost every one of her children 
and her husband that also lost every one of his children and his dad. And then another lady in the family as well that lost one of her children. And I'm watching as this service is happening and we are all worshiping God. I've never been to a service with five caskets at the front of the church. Unbelievable devastation. They didn't just share the gospel. They gave an invitation three times in the service. They said, one, would you like to receive Jesus Christ? If you would, please raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Raise your hand if you'd like to receive Christ. People raised their hand and they prayed to receive Christ right there. Then they said later on in the service, if you wanted to raise your hand previously, but you didn't, and you feel like the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, would you raise your hand now? And then more people raised their hand to be able to, to come to Christ. Then they said the family has requested that there would be counselors down at the front and they had counselors lined up around the service in the front and people then at the ending in the last song, as if it was a church service, came down front to meet with counselors and to pray about their pain and maybe to trust Christ even as well there. It was a worship service filled with pain. I'm not moving past the pain. Five people were evilly killed and they worshiped God. Blew me away. I walked out with... Stephen Trammell, our executive pastor, I said, have you ever seen anything like that? And I've been to a lot of funerals where people have worshiped the Lord, no doubt about it, in this very room. But it was amazing. And I'm telling you, in those times, there was an activeness to the worship of calling out on God in deep pain to say, Lord, meet me right here where I am. I need you. I need you bad. Now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna have times that we're gonna stop in this service and we're gonna pray for 60 seconds about what I just taught you on. That's what we did last week. That's what we've done a few times in this semester. And so our prayerful application is this. Be active, not passive in your worship. Be active, not passive in your worship. And you may be in a place of great pain in your life. You may be in a place that you need to be active in your worship and you don't feel like praying right now. You don't feel like worshiping right now. You don't really wanna hear me talk about this stuff right now. You'd rather not be in church right now, but that you in your pain that is very real, I know it is not the same level of what we felt yesterday, but the, the very real and valid pain that you have in your heart, I wanna encourage you to lean into God, not pull yourself away from God. And to use this next 60 seconds to be active and say, Lord, I want to worship you. And if you're in a time of blessing, that can be a hard time to worship the Lord as well. Because we think, well, I got it. What do I need God for? Be active in your worship. Are you active in your worship? Do you sing when, when, when the worship team's leading? Are you paying attention right now as I'm teaching? Are you, are you active in saying, God, speak to me in my heart? in my mind, in my soul, in my life. So we're gonna take 60 seconds and you're gonna pray right there in your seat and ask the Lord this prayer request, Lord, I wanna be active in my worship, not passive. Speak to my heart, 60 seconds, beginning right now.
Father, we come and we ask you, Jesus, that we would be active in our worship, Lord. We pray for the Collins family. We, we do. We lift them up to you, God. Pray that you'd minister to them. And we pray, Father, that you would make us active worshipers, that we would truly sing to you, we would truly listen to you, we would truly be active in our prayers and in our, our hearts for you, God, not just passive, not just sitting back, but really being active. We were made to worship you, every living thing, everything with breath to worship you. So may we fulfill that, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Now let's look into Solomon's life. We've talked to David, or talked about David. We wrapped that up. And now let's look into Solomon's life. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3. It's going to be to the left in your Bible, 1 Kings chapter 3. And we're going to see where Solomon gets this wisdom. We're going to begin in verse, uh, I want to read to you verse 3, and then we're going to jump to verse 8. And here's where Solomon is asking for wisdom, okay? Now here's the point of Solomon. Wisdom wins the day. Wisdom wins the day. Write that down in your notes. Wisdom wins the day, okay? Count of three, I want you to say that phrase with me. Ready? One, two, three. Wisdom wins the day. One more time. Wisdom wins the day. Solomon's gonna great, gain great wisdom, but we're gonna look. There's gonna be a seed that's gonna get planted in Solomon, a bad seed that we're gonna see come out in just a little bit. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon loved the Lord by walking in the statutes of his father David. Awesome, comma. But also sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. That means he's worshiping false gods as well. Now here, let's stop right here and we're gonna get to the wisdom in a second. We don't want in our lives, but also, okay? Solomon loved the Lord, but also he worshiped false gods. And we'll see that's gonna cost him in the next point we get to. So we don't want to be people, I love Jesus, but also I want my way. I love the Lord, but also I want to be comfortable at all costs. I love Jesus Christ, but also I love my selfishness. See it? I love Christ. I love the Lord. I want to follow God. But also I want him to know he's wrong. I want her to know she's wrong. Do you see it? The but also will wreck your life and it'll wreck your wisdom. Now look at verse eight. Let's jump to verse eight. Your servant among your people, you have chosen a people too many to be numbered or counted. So Solomon's got a high level of leadership. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge these great people of yours? Now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. So God said to him, because you have requested this and did not ask for long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies, basically selfish kind of stuff, but you ask for discernment for yourselves to administer justice, I will therefore do what you have asked." I will give you a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be after. So God's gonna give him wisdom because he's asked for it. You know that James says, any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord and he'll give it to you without reproach. So for the last few decades, probably two or three decades, I've prayed almost every day, not every day, but almost every day, I've prayed asking the Lord for wisdom and leadership. I wanna I want encourage you to do the same thing. Ask the Lord for wisdom and leadership. God, would you give me wisdom? God, would you give me leadership? Meaning I want you to guide my life and I also want him to give me leadership so I can guide you as a flock, so I can be a good shepherd for you as a pastor. 
So I'm asking the Lord for wisdom and I'm asking the Lord for leadership. Now, let me give you a few quotes on wisdom. Harvard Business School, experience comes from what we have done. Wisdom comes from what we have done badly. Wisdom is another quote. I I don't know who said this one, but wisdom is a quality that keeps you from getting into situations where you need it. J.I. Packard says, wisdom is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. This last one I like is this, wisdom is the reward you get from a lifetime of listening when you have preferred to talk. Wisdom is what you get from a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. We want to walk in wisdom for God to use us in that way and to put wisdom in our hearts. In verse three, we saw the seeds of unfaithfulness of wisdom, uh, but also, but Solomon's walking in wisdom. Number two, we can learn from Solomon this, tenderness wins the heart. Wisdom wins the day, tenderness wins the heart. Look, if you will, go back to the right. We're gonna go to Song of Songs. Chapter two is where we're gonna be. Solomon wrote Song of Songs. Chapter two is where we're gonna be in verse eight. Verse eight is what we're gonna see. Tenderness wins the heart. In your marriage, in your relationships, even in your friendships, in your dating, appropriately so, in the right realms in the dating, tenderness wins the heart. So in your marriage, don't work on intimacy, work on tenderness. Don't work on companionship, work on tenderness. Tenderness wins the heart. Let me ask you this question. Do you speak in a way that's tender? Are you a tender person? There's a tenderness of God I'll show you in a minute as well. Look in second, or it's not second Song of Songs. There's only one Song of Songs. Song of Songs, chapter two, verse eight. Now, here we go. The lady's gonna be talking. Listen to the tenderness, ladies, that she says about her man. Listen, my love is approaching. Look, here he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My love is like a gazelle or a young stag. Now, I know, ladies, you're like, That's so weird. I just told my husband that just today. That fits perfectly with what I said right on the way to church. I said, you're like a young stag bounding over the garbage that needs to be taken out later today, right? You're a gazelle. Hey, ladies, we need to hear those things, right? It's not just you. We'll get to the ladies part here of what you need to hear, but we need to hear some things Two, you're either going to end up with a couch potato or a gazelle, one of the two. It's going to be a spud or a stud. Which one's it going to be? All right. And it's really dependent a little bit about what you're giving the words to be, ladies, to build us up to be able to be. So she says that. Now jump down, if you will, in uh, to verse 10. My love calls to me, she says. Then the man says, here he goes, guys, arise, my darling. This is the fourth or fifth time in two chapters, he said, darling. Come away with me, my beautiful one. For now the winter is past, the rain is ended and gone away. The blossoms appear in the countryside. It's springtime, do you see it? The time of singing has come and the turtle doves cooing is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs and blossoming vines give off their fragrance. My darling, arise, come away, my beautiful one. Darling and beautiful one, he's saying these kind and tender things, gentlemen, to, the, to his girl, to his ladies. And, and saying this to his bride, he's, he's ministering to her heart. There's never been a woman in the history of the world that's been in marriage counseling saying, he tells me I'm beautiful all the time and I'm sick of it. No. Never happened, right? You love to hear that. 
Everybody loves tenderness. That's a blessing. It's a blessing to be able to have that. Be tender. Now, I try to just give you a few thoughts here that I wrote down on what, what is tenderness. Let's define it a little deeper. Tenderness is listening, not talking. Tenderness is caring, not correcting. Tenderness is edifying, not just being efficient. Tenderness is focused, not frazzled. Tenderness is truth, not deceit. Listening, not talking. Caring, not correcting. Edifying, not just being efficient. Focused, not frazzled. Truth, not deceit. And men and women both need it. Work on tenderness in your relationships and you'll see a blossoming like springtime. Let me ask you this. Do you speak in winter tones or do you speak in spring tones? What's your tone of voice? Are you harsh with the cold breeze of winter? Or are you warming like a summer breeze or a spring breeze? Do you speak in, in spring tones, summer tones, or do you speak in winter tones? At your workplace, with your friendships, with people around, on your Twitter, on, on Instagram. How do you speak to your bride? How do you speak to your husband? That tenderness is so important. Now, I've been married almost 25 years and I've learned tenderness along the way, but I learned a little bit before I got married. I dated a, a girl in high school and so we were high school sweethearts, dated for a good while. And so um, I decided that I was gonna be kind of funny, being a little bit of the class clown. And you know, when you're, when you're a small guy, not on the football team, you gotta work on your sense of humor, okay? So that's how it works out. And so here I was kind of working on my sense of humor a little bit, class clown. So I went to the florist store, to the, to the florist, and I got this big, white box where you put long stem red roses in it. And I didn't get the roses, I just got the box. And so I got the box and I left. And then I, I put something in the box. I'll reveal to you in just a second what that was. And I wrote on the card to her and I put her name and I put to a 14 carat girl. That's sweet. But I spelled carrot C-A-R-R-O-T. She opened up the box and instead of gold, which she might have thought, 14 karat girl, instead of roses like the box was, I had in there from the grocery store carrots with the long green stem on the end of it. And they were sitting in the box and she opened it up. Ladies, how do you think this is going to go? She looks at them and she looks at me and I'm like, this is funny, isn't it? And I see her lower lip start quivering. She starts crying. This is what you give to the girl you hate and you want to break up with. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And we broke up. You know, I mean, that's how it worked. Not in that like exact moment, but it came, you know, in, in the coming days. But what kind of tenderness is that? I mean, she thinks she's getting roses and she gets carrots. I mean, she thinks she's getting gold and she gets stems on this thing. But thankfully to this moment, I've never given my wife vegetables as a gift, okay? So I've learned this is a good thing to be able to have, right? Ladies want different kind of carrots, don't you, right? Little diamond carrots is probably what you're wanting more so than orange carrots. You have tenderness. You got to work on tenderness. You got to learn these things along the way. And sometimes you learn the hard way a little bit in that. Ladies, you're much more naturally tender than we are as men. So men, we got to learn this. But let me tell you how you learn it. You learn it by discovering the tenderness of God. When you discover the tenderness of God, do you know that in Romans it says, his kindness leads us to repentance. God is tender with our hearts. 
He loves us deeply and he's tender with us. And when we learn the tenderness of God, we then are able to show the tenderness to others. Let me give you an example of the tenderness of God. Capture the moment, June 6th, just last week, June 6th. I didn't know it. You know, I read, it's kind of weird that I read my own devotional, but you know, I, I forgot what I wrote, you know, <laughs> so it works, so it's okay. And in this of June 6th, I tell the story of this family in our church, Steve and Mary Klein. Their daughter was killed in a tragic accident, and they donated her organs so that other folks could receive her organs. And I've been a part of this whole journey. I was in the hospital in the ICU praying over Anna. And I was also a part of the time when we had a lunch where the person that received Anna's heart met the Klein family. And I stood in right hallway down the room down there as we hosted a lunch, and I held the family's hand here, and I held the person's hand that had her heart. Can you imagine your daughter's heart beating at someone else? And I stood there and prayed. It was amazing. And I told a bit of that story in June 6. A family from our church had a dear family member die. Their daughter was an organ donor. Later, the family opened a letter from the person who received one of the donated organs. They met and they talked with this family and they received great joy. Out of tragedy, they walked and planted seeds even in the midst of their grief. God can do amazing seed planting and watered when it is watered by our tears. He can bring a harvest as you have never seen before. That was on June 6th that I wrote this good while ago and got published and all that stuff. I got a text message from Steve. This is about the tenderness of God. He said, Greg, we were so encouraged by your devotional today on June 6th because today is Mary's birthday. This is the mom's birthday and I'm talking about her daughter going to heaven and still making a difference on earth. You can't plan this stuff. That's the tenderness of God using a book that thousands of people have got for one person because he knew she needed it on that day. Tenderness wins the heart. Wisdom will win the day. Tenderness will win the heart. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take 60 seconds and we're gonna ask God. We're gonna say, Lord, make me wise and tender. We're going to ask God to do that. 60 seconds beginning right now. Ask him.
Father, would you make us wise? Would you make us tender? As men, would you make us tender with our wives and our daughters? As men, would you make us tender with our friends and our coworkers? Our female friends as well, Lord? Would you make us wise, God? Give us wisdom as you declare you will. We need both of these things in a greater capacity in our life. Thank you, God, for the tenderness and wisdom of you. We see it in the life of Jesus. He was wise and he was tender. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, our last point, guys. I think we're going to make it. We're going to make it through it. Here we go. Our final point on Solomon is this. Our focus determines our finish. Our focus determines our finish. Look into 1 Kings chapter 11. Remember our but also moment that we had before? We're going to see this now lived out in his life. Our focus determines our finish. Solomon is not going to end well. That's unfortunate But I love that the Bible allows us to see all the ups and downs of people, right? Because you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. David wrote all the Psalms, but he also had an affair with Bathsheba, okay? This is a problem. Solomon was the wisest guy that ever lived, but yet he's still going to, we're going to see worship foreign idols. So there's a complexity, and I love that the Bible allows us to see the complexity of human beings because you and I are all streaked and stained with sin, right? We all got our struggles. And if everybody was perfect in the Bible, we'd be trying to find ourselves. Well, where do I fit into this thing? So here we go. Let's look, if we can, into verse 1, 1 Kings 11, verse 1. And we're going to see where Solomon is going to be, Solomon's unfaithfulness to God is the way it's titled in my, my Bible here at the beginning of this chapter, which is a bad title if that's you. King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter, Moabite, Ammonite, Edenite, Sidonian and Hittite women from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, see if this is pretty clear, you must not intermarry with them. They must not intermarry with you because they will turn your hearts away to follow their gods. To these women, Solomon was deeply attached in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 who were concubines. Now that's a problem in itself, right? Okay. And they turned his heart away, just like God said, it'll turn your heart away. When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholly devoted to the Lord as God as his father David had been. Solomon followed Ashereth, I'll tell you about that in just a second, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Milcom, which is also Molech, the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and unlike his father David, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. He didn't finish well. Now, here's what happened. Solomon, his work and his wives surpassed his walk with God. His work and his wives surpassed his walk with God. What do I mean by that? These ladies that he married, many of them were political marriages. Here's what it means. They would conquer an area and then he would marry someone from that area so that then he would have greater control of that area. If you marry the king's daughter, who's gonna take the kingdom away from you, right? So he's making these political marriages to be able to sure up his kingdom. Very typical, happens a lot of times in history. And so that's what's happening. His work, if you will, and his wives 
His lust surpassed his walk with God. Can our works surpass our walk with God? Yes, it can. James chapter one, verse 11 says this, a rich man fades away in his pursuits. I mean, you turn your back on God quickly, you just fade away at work. You just get busy on other stuff. Second Timothy chapter four, Paul says, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He just said, you know what? I love Jesus, but also I wanna go to Thessalonica. I love Jesus, but also I wanna make sure I get a whole lot of money. I love Jesus, but also whatever it is, fill in the blank. So their work and his work and his wives surpassed his walk with God. So he ends up lustful with a divided kingdom, brokenness left in his family. Now, here's what's really interesting. There's two false gods, many, many of them, thousands of them probably, but two that it mentions here. Ashereth is one of them. This is a fertility goddess that you would worship Ashereth by going to the temple of Ashereth and you would worship by going to temple prostitutes and you would worship through sex with temple prostitutes, male prostitutes, female prostitutes. The false god of sex. The second one was Molech, and Molech, they would raise up and they would offer up, I should say, infant sacrifice to the god of Molech. I've been in Israel to one of the places where they would do this, and you see that plot of land, and you're like, whoa, that's where that happened infant sacrifice. I submit to you that the devil is using the same false gods. Do you see in our culture a worship of sex? We are so sexualized. Even you'll see that some folks are trying to sexualize kindergartners. What are we thinking? Do you see in our culture that the devil comes to steal kill and destroy, and you see death with Molech. We should pray for the people of Uvalde. We should pray for the people of Ukraine. We should pray with our heart knowing that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We should pray for the Supreme Court for whatever their decision will be about Roe v. Wade. We can still see the devil's same schemes at work in our society today of sex and death, just as you see it with Ashereth. We don't even know what that means. Molech, what in the world is that? But we see the remnants of the devil's work still today, don't we? And so here Solomon gets his heart off with the Lord. It says in the scriptures, in the New Testament, don't be unequally yoked. There's nothing like a bad relationship romantically to pull your heart off of Jesus. You, as singles, you walk with God. And as you walk with God, you're gonna find somebody else that's walking with God. And you just go to Jesus and God will bring you together when he wants to bring you together. And if not, it'll, it'll rip your heart out. You stay pure in your relationships. Premarital sex will either ruin a good relationship or it will lengthen a bad relationship because the passion will be so deep. You walk with God in purity. I've said it before, but I want you to hear it again one more time. If we followed God in just the one aspect of sexual purity, just what God says in that one aspect, there would be no such thing as pornography. There'd be no such thing as rape. There'd be no such thing as child molestation. There'd be no such thing as pedophilia. There'd be no such thing as, as um, uh 
pornography and all the, the things, I guess I've already said those, but to be able to have these things together, all of these sexual sins, all of those, if we just followed God in those one thing, think of how the abortion rate would drop if in a godly marriage, that's where sex took place. We changed the world by that one thing because it's so powerful. But David, on the other hand, he struggled with his lust as well. But let me wrap with this. David, through victories and failures, is encouraging us to be a man or woman after God's own heart. David had his victories. David had his failures. But he encourages us to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. So for the sake of time, if you'll just believe me that it says this in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says, God raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out my will. So what do we wrap this whole thing with? We wrap this whole thing, a year of looking at David and Solomon, be a man or a woman after God's own heart, passionate about God's heart allowing God's heart to come through you. That's what it means. Solomon ended up with division and all sorts of family issues. David had his problems too, but he was a man after God's own heart. Let's be that kind of person. Now, let me just end with one last thing. And just as the Lord would have it, May 31st and capture the moment, I gave an illustration about Johann Sebastian Bach. And the way he would craft his orchestra, his orchestra things that he would write out. Let me show you a picture of one of his orchestra pieces here. Now, this one is actually called um, St. Matthew's Passion. It's taken from the Gospel of Matthew from chapter 26 and 27. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I, don't, I can't read music, but that looks like it's going to be a good song to me, right? That looks pretty. It looks like it's going to be pretty, whatever it is. Now, I want you to notice in the top left-hand corner, there's two initials, top left-hand corner, JJ. Do you see that? That's Latin, Latin for J Yesu Yuva, okay? Yesu Yuva, JJ, and it means this, Jesus help me. The first thing Bach would write at the beginning of his masterpieces, the very top left corner, JJ, Jesus help me. You and I are a masterpiece of God. And then he would write the whole composition down. And then at the end, he would put three initials at the bottom. And it said this, S-D-G. Now, you know this one, S-D-G. There's a signature at the bottom. S-D-G is sola de gloria. To God alone be the glory. And when you get this picture in your mind, we're talking about being a man or woman after God's own heart. Jesus help me. He does his work to God be the glory. Let me tell you simply how you are to be a man or a woman after God's own heart. I did it this week. I wrote at the top of my things to do list, JJ. I wrote at the end of the day, SDG. Here's how you do it. Jesus helped me at the beginning of your day. You live your day and then you say to God be the glory. And if you'll start with Jesus help me and to God be the glory, guess what'll happen? God will fill in the middle part and take care of everything else right there through your pain, through your joy, through your blessings, through your trials. God will do that. Jesus, help me. To God be the glory. Our prayerful application is, Lord, I want to finish strong. I want to walk with you, and I need your help. Church, walk with God.
Let Jesus help you. He will. And you give him all the glory at the end of your day as you live for him in the middle of it all. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, God. We love you. We trust you. We ask you, God, that you would speak loudly and clearly to our hearts, Lord. We live in a crazy world. God, let us see that and stay away from it, Lord, but also make a difference in it. And may we, Father, live our lives with JJ at the left-hand corner of every day before anything is written. Jesus, help me. We need your help. Sin, temptation is strong. And as we live out our days, Father, that at the end of the day, when we put our head on the pillow, even tonight, we could just say, SDG, to God alone be the glory. We give it to you. We don't want to worship false idols, God. We want to worship the one true God. No matter what our culture throws at us, Lord, may our hearts be yours. We love you. We thank you. Are you walking with God? This is your last little moment of silence. Turn your heart back to him. If you do know him, would you just whisper, Lord, I want to finish strong. The enemy's taken out stronger men and women than me or you. Lord, we want to finish strong. And we want to worship you for everything that has breath to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.